I can't believe I'm wearing this fucking shirt. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's time for the final countdown. <laughs> the show starts in 10, 9, We're back. The Hold Up What podcast, making waves on TikTok. So for those of you keeping score at home, our last podcast, which was released on Friday about the about BlackRock, Vanguard, how they control the entire world, is currently second in podcast downloads next to, I don't know, the first one, but moved up the charts pretty quick. And then the engagement on TikTok has been nothing short of miraculous. I don't know if that's the right, I wouldn't say it's a miracle, but a lot of support going on through TikTok. Also had one of the videos flagged and banned, appealed, and then the band was held up. I don't know what I said in that one, in that clip. Who knows? But you know, when you go after the men, they like to come after you. They don't want us to win. That ain't it. You ain't got the answer, Sway. <laughs> but we got episode 83 coming to you right now. It is Indigenous Peoples Day, which I think I mentioned on Friday or sometime last week that I got in trouble for calling it Columbus Day by the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion person. They were not thrilled that I said that. And I was like, I honestly didn't mean any disrespect. I, uh, it is what it is. I was like, I've been calling it Columbus Day for 35 years. Like, I'm sorry. I did, this changed, what, two years ago? What am I supposed to do? Like, I understand, like, learning new cultures and not being a dick about it. And I wasn't being a dick. I just said it in passing and then... Ten minutes later went by, and I'm getting pulled aside so we could talk about being insensitive. And I'm like, I'm the least insensitive person, but sure, let's talk about the Indigenous Peoples Day instead of Columbus Day. And then the whole attitude of that, because I was unprepared for that, just made it worse. Anyway, we're going to get past that. We have breaking news. We got Israel's under attack. Israel? Israel. Israel. I say Israel for. Israel is under attack. Um from Palestine, Hamas. So we're going to get into that. We also have our daily Swift update. But first, we got our This Date in History, October 9th. On October 9th, 1970, the Khmer Republic, backed by the United States, was proclaimed in Cambodia amidst a raging civil war, which later saw the Cambodian genocide under Pol Pot's Khmer rogue regime. Pol Pot is just a funny name. What's up? My name is Pol Pot. The declaration of the Khmer Republic marked a significant shift in Cambodian politics with implications from the United States' involvement. The United States supported the establishment of the Khmer Republic as part of its wider strategy to curb the spread of communism in Southeast Asia during the Cold War. This involvement was seen by many as an extension of the ongoing conflict in Vietnam. This period intensified the ongoing Cambodian Civil War, which pitted government forces against the Khmer Rogue and its allies. The war caused severe hardships for the civilian population, including displacement, loss of life, and destruction of property. The situation eventually led to the rise of Pol Pot's brutal Khmer rogue regime. 
under which the, an estimated 1.7 million people, about a quarter of the population, died from execution, forced labor, or starvation between 1975 and 1979. The Cambodian genocide remains one of the most heinous episodes of mass violence in the 20th century with lasting social, psychological, and economic impacts in Cambodia. The U.S.'s role in events leading up to the Khmer Rogue's rise has been a point of contention in international relations, has contributed to debates about foreign intervention and its unintended consequences. So the reason I laugh when I say Pol Pot, because there's a New York radio announcer, um, Mike Russo, Mike and the Mad Dog, he was Mad Dog out of that pairing. The original sports radio guys out of New York, uh, just they've been doing it forever they've been doing it for like 50 years like they're they're the gold standard for how sports radio they birthed what sports radio is now and people imitate them all the time and make fun of them for the way they speak because they have like these crazy accents like hardcore new york just like very distinct accents not like foreign accents just very they say words very funny and uh, he said Pol Pot one time, and it just the way he said it with Pol Pot, and the way he said it was just, you had to be there. Anyway, we're moving on. We got bigger fish to fry today. We got Israel under attack, a little surprise attack from Hamas uh, on Friday night into Saturday, and then I guess since then it's just been going on. So we're going to get into that. We're going to break this down. We were going to talk about the Airbnb collapse or how it's collapsing which would lead us into the Federal Reserve and how that's evil. And we're also going to touch on Ron DeSantis wearing fucking high heels because he's like 5'1", and they've been clocking him at like 5'7", and there's like, that doesn't add up. And then people have like broken down TikToks and videos and his appearances of like how he's short one day and then other days he's fucking tall. And it's this whole thing, how he stands when like there's a podium and you can see his legs from behind. He has heels on. Like you could t- like people that people that wear heels. I wouldn't say females because you know we live in this is 2023. Men wear heels sometimes, I guess. So anyone can wear heels, but people have pointed out like that's what that's how you stand when you've been wearing heels too long. Like you lean up and like you kind of like roll your ankle a little bit, and then they just break down the. The dimensions of his shoes, like his toes don't fit where, they, where they're supposed to fit unless he has like size three feet, which he might because he is a short guy. But like this doesn't, this all indications say that he's wearing heels. So we're going to get into that, but we can't because obviously there's bigger news going on. We got breaking news. So the plan is to break down this Israel-Palestine conflict as close to the beginning as possible. We're not going back to the beginning of time, you know, when Jesus was in Jerusalem and all that stuff. We're not doing all that shit. But we're going to break down a little bit about, because I don't know dick about, I don't understand why they're always fighting over there. And they're so fucking close together. And it just, it was always a thing, like the Israel-Palestinian conflict. It was just, it's always like mentioned, like, do you support Israel? That's like a thing we ask presidential candidates. And they either answer yes or no. If they answer no, then every Jewish person fucking turns on them. If you say yes, then every Palestinian person turns on you. And it's just like, a, it's it's one of those things you just don't give an answer to. But it's it's been in the news forever. It's just been a thing, and I've never understood it. So I'm assuming no one really does. And this is the time of the conflict when... 
the white women on Facebook start putting the circle around their social media profiles that says shit like I stand with Jerusalem with like a Jewish star or something, or they put like the blue and white, which is actually a really nice color for their flag. It, it's just white and blue, but it's it's very minimalist for a flag. Gotta say that off the rip. So we're going to try to get to the beginning of this whole thing, why it's a fucking issue, what we're going to do from here on out. But news is constantly breaking on this front because Israel was completely fucking surprised by this. So we're going to get to the origins, all this stuff, the U.S.'s support for Israel, why we support them, all this stuff, how much aid we give them, the Iron Dome. I'm sure you've heard that a few times if you've listened to the news, like how come the Iron Dome didn't work or... What is the Iron Dome? An Iron Dome sounds fucking cool as fuck. Do we have an Iron Dome? All that stuff. How this thing happened. Uh, did anyone else know about it? And of course, what are we going to do about it? Because we're the U.S., Israel's our ally, and we got it. We always got to be doing something. So let's get into it. So, of course, I don't know if you can hear me breathing into the mic, but I don't know what my my mic settings did something recently. I don't know if it's because I was streaming on TikTok and that like auto changed the settings. But if you can hear me breathing or if you hear any background noise, I apologize in advance. The silence detection should pick this shit up, but it's pinging on the soundboard and I'm not sure what the fuck to do. But anyway, so origins of the Israel-Palestinian conflict. The conflict seeds were sown in with the emergence of Zionism, aiming to establish a Jewish homeland in Palestine. The British mandate post-World War I saw an uptick in Jewish immigration, heightening Arab-Jewish ten- tensions ju- due to... <laughs> Jesus. Arab-Jewish tensions due to demographic and land ownership changes. The UN's partition plan of 1947 aimed to solve the Jewish-Arab issue by creating separate states. However, Arab rejection led to the first significant conflict in 1948, with Israel declaring independence and facing invasion from Arab neighbors. The war created a significant Palestinian refugee problem. There have been several wars since then over this area. In 1967, the Six-Day War was a watershed moment with Israel capturing significant territories. The occupation of these lands, especially the West Bank and Gaza, and the settlement construction therein has been a central point of contention. International law views these settlements as illegal, further complicating peace efforts. The Oslo Accords in the 1990s were a high point in peace peace efforts, creating the Palestinian Authority to self-govern parts of the West Bank and Gaza. However, the failure to address core issues like settlements, refugees, and Jerusalem's status left the peace process in limbo. The persistent issues of occupation, settlement expansion, and sporadic violence remain. Palestinians desire to sovereign state in the pre-1967 war borders, but the security dynamics and political divisions among Palestinians and Israeli settlement policy continued to obstruct a resolution. What side is the U.S. on in all this, right? And why is this important? What side are we on and why is that important? We're on this side. So we do support Israel. Historically, the U.S. has been a strong ally of Israel, providing significant military, financial, and diplomatic support. We share common values, strategic interests, and political considerations that play a role in our alliance. 
The U.S. provides significant military aid to Israel, which includes funding for missile defense systems like the Iron Dome and often defends Israel in international forums. We're kind of like their big ass big brother. But it's, it's like if you were a fucking 10 year old. It's kind of like that fraud Michael Orr. Well, he's not a fraud. Sandra Bullock was the fraud. It's kind of like that. You have like a big brother that's um, a fucking lineman in the NFL. It's kind of like that. Like we're the big ass lineman in the NFL and Israel is the little brother, little 10 year old brother. That's a good way to look at it. If you look at it on the map, Jerusalem's like smaller than Rhode Island. The alliance with Israel provides the U.S. with a reliable partner in the region. Geopolitically com- complex issues potentially safeguarding the U.S. interests in the Middle East. Additionally, military cooperation between the two nations enhances the U.S.'s strategic posture, with Israel often being referred to as a strategic asset in the region. It controls the coastline. And we all know from back in the day, from Mesopotamia, he who controls the water con- controls the war. I think that's a fucking saying. I don't know if that is or not. If it's not, it should be. But I'm pretty sure we moved on to wh- whoever controls the air controls the fight i'm pretty sure that's it now because you're never really surrounded by water but if you can control the air is everywhere believe it or not air is everywhere so i think we've graduated from the old mesopotamia days to whoever controls the air anyway we're getting bogged down in this but it is important that they have they control the coastline because we can move ships in they can move ships out they control what comes in and out of their ports so it's very strategic the strong pro-israel lobby in the u.s exemplified by groups like the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, or APAC, plays a substantial role in shaping U.S. policy towards Israel. Bipartisan support in Congress often leads to favorable policies and aid packages for Israel, reflecting a politically entrenched alliance. The U.S.'s strong support for Israel can tip the balance of power in the region, often making it challenging for the U.S. to mediate impartiality, impartially in peace negotiations. The U.S.'s backing both militarily and diplomatically significantly impact how the conflict evolves and is perceived on the international stage. Critics argue that the unbalanced U.S. support for Israel hinders a fair resolution in the Israel-Palestine conflict, as it might embolden Israeli policies considered as obstacles to peace, such as settlement and its expansion. In recent times, there has been a growing discourse, especially among younger generations and progressive politicians in the U.S., questioning the extent and nature of the U.S.-Israel relationship. This changing discourse could potentially lead to a shift in the traditional U.S. stance on the conflict, although significant change is yet to be seen. How much do we give Israel in aid a year? Annual aid. The U.S. agreed under the 2016 Memorandum of Understanding, the an MOU, I don't know why they have acronyms for everything, to provide Israel with $3.8 billion annually from fiscal year 2018, or 2019 to 2028, which includes both military and missile defense assistance. For the fiscal year 2023, U.S. Congress authorized $520 million for joint U.S.-Israel defense programs under James M. Inhofe National Defense Authorization Act. This sum includes $500 million for missile defense. Additionally, $3.3 billion was allocated for security assistance as part of the ongoing annual commitment. An extra $500 million was also included in the 2023 budget for restocking Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system. This is a fuck ton of money. We just want free health care. There was a meme on, uh, I've seen, sidetrack. Side note, 
where it's like, oh, the first space hotels ready to go in 2026. And someone was like, we just want free healthcare. And it's fact. Like, we don't need to be sent. We can easily do a lot more with this money if we just kept it in-house. But I understand we need to have partners everywhere and we have alliances and you're only as good as your last treaty. That's definitely not a saying either. So chalk that one up with he, he who controls the water controls the war and you're only as good as your last treaty. So you mentioned, you heard me mention the Iron Dome a few times. And the Iron Dome sounds awesome. That sounds fucking cool as fuck. And it's a simple name, an Iron Dome. There's no like crazy acronym for it. It's just an Iron Dome. And you're like, I want one of those, you know? So what is the Iron Dome, right? Why is it so goddamn expensive? Why do we call, Why do we pay Israel $3.5 billion a year for this fucking thing? So the Iron Dome is an Israeli defense system, air defense system designed to intercept and destroy short-range rockets and artillery shells. It comprises of three main components, the detection and tracking radar, the battle management and weapon control system, and the missile firing unit. That sounds like four systems. The system detects incoming projectiles, calculates their trajectory, and determines the impact point. If the projectile threatens populated areas or critical infrastructure, the system launches an interceptor missile to neutralize it in the air. We have these around our coast, by the way. I've seen videos of them. You can Google videos of this shit working. You can Google the Iron Dome working. It's fucking wild. It's like the craziest thing. It looks like out of a movie. Because you'll just be chilling. The camera usually is just chilling. And then you hear an an alarm go off. It's like an incoming... Because I think you have... From what they've been saying on the news, like once you hear the alarm, you have like less than 30 seconds to like get the fuck down. Because the Iron Dome has its limitations, which is what we're going to get into. But then you hear this rocket take off. And it shoots out of the ground. And then it just blows this thing out of the sky. And you're like, god damn. Like it looks crazy. It's accurate as fuck. Um, But yeah. The Iron Dome boasts a high success rate often cited around 90% in intercepting threats, providing significant protection to civilian and military assets. It was initially deployed in 2011 and has been upgraded and expanded ever since. It's strategically placed to defend against threats from various directions, notably from the Gaza Strip and southern Lebanon. The U.S. is a significant supporter for funding the Iron Dome, recognizing that its importance is to protect the Israeli people for Israeli security. Despite its effectiveness, the Iron Dome has limitations, including the high cost per interception and the system's capacity, which can be overwhelmed by a barrage of projectiles. The Iron Dome is a key part of Israel's multi-layered air defense, contributing to its deterrence posture and enhancing stability during periods of increased tension. So that's pretty much the backstory of everything that you're going to hear on the news. When you hear Israel, Gaza Strip, Palestine, this is how this kind of all happened, right? This is all... This, that's a quick backstory about how it all happened. If you want to dig deeper, be my guest and go back to the beginning of time with Arabs and Jews and everybody never getting along over there. There's like five religions that just hate each other in that one area. So if you want to go back and do that, sure. But for this context, that's all you really need to know. Israel has the backing of the United States. Palestine wants their land back. Israel's like, no, we're taking over because we have the United States to back us up. And they live on top of each other, so... It's like, it's legit like your neighbor's fence is the border. Like, they're right there. It's not like there's a big land gap or water gap. Like, they're just right next to each other. If you look at it on a map, it looks kind of wild. How close, like, how dense the population is. So, what happened over this weekend, right? So, every now and then, one of these missiles comes flying over. Or 
they shoot like a mortar over because Hamas is considered terrorists. They're not. They uh, they're a group that's Palestinian and they like to fuck with Israel because they hate Israel. They hate Israelites, Israelis. Um, so they shoot like mortars over every now and then. Never anything that's like as significant as this. And the Iron Dome does its thing, takes it out. Right. So it's always they're mostly protected. Sometimes things gets things get through, but. You know, $3.5 billion does buy you some security. So what this was, this was very strategic. There was a lot of intelligence involved. It was coordinated. It was planned out well in advance. This wasn't just like, hey, let's just start throwing grenades over the fence. This was a whole thing. So Hamas launched one of the largest attacks on Israel in the past years, resulting in a substantial number of casualties and injuries. The exact numbers reported vary among different sources, showing the chaos and high tension in the area. At least 100 individuals were reported dead, with hundreds more wounded as a result of rocket barrages initiated from the Gaza Strip. Some reports claim that the death toll has reached 250, with 1,590 wounded, indicating severe impact of the attacks. Following the attacks, the top UN officials have been urging for maximum restraint amidst the violent scenes. They are in close contact with all concerned parties to handle the situation. The attacks involved a larger barrage of rockets impacting various locations in Israel, including cities like Sudat. I don't know how to fucking say that word. Google me, baby. This is going to be one of those words that doesn't sound like anything it looks like. It's spelled S-D-E-R-O-T, right? Sudat. Strat? Strat. Something like that. Watch how it comes up. Sterat. 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 So I wasn't too far off. Sterat, among others. The attacks were claimed by Hamas, a Palestinian militant group, marking a significant escalation in the ongoing Israel... I'm pronouncing everything wrong right now. Israel-Palestinian conflict. Why didn't the Iron Dome work? First, it was an unexpected attack. The attack by Hamas on Israel was not anticipated by Israeli intelligence services, despite the country's extensive spy network aimed at preventing such aggressions. The failure of intelligence services to predict this attack contributed to the country being caught off guard, which might have affected the Iron Dome's response time or readiness. You would think they would just have this thing lined up, ready to go, but I guess not. One significant factor, though, was the Iron Dome had decreased effectiveness because of the sheer quantity of rockets fired by Hamas in a tactic known as a saturation attack. In such an attack, a large number of rockets launched simultaneously or in quick succession overwhelm the air defense system. Even with a high interception rate around 80 to 90 percent, the Iron Dome could still have a considerable number of missiles slipping through if the number of incoming rockets is high enough. During this attack, Hamas claimed to have fired 5,000 missiles at Israel while the Israeli Defense Forces estimated around 2,200. With such a large number of rockets, even if 90% were intercepted, that still leaves around 220 to 500 rockets getting through the defense shield. Additionally, the saturation attack could have been exhausted, could have exhausted the number of available interceptors, rendering the Iron Dome ineffective until it's reloaded. And there have been issues or instances in the past where the Iron Dome failed to intercept all incoming rockets, such as during the 2021 Israel-Palestine conflict when a rocket barrage towards, here comes another word, Ashkelon, that's definitely a Hebrew word, Google, Ashkelon, Ashkelon was not intercepted, leading to casualties. And Hamas has learned that they can dodge some of this system. 
Tactics are technologies employed by Hamas that enabled some rockets to dodge interception by the Iron Dome, though details on this aspect of war, aspect of the attack aren't entirely clear. The air defense system is not foolproof. Even a highly efficient system like the Iron Dome still has limitations, especially when faced with overwhelming numbers of threats within a short period of time. There also may be factors like speed, size, or trajectory of the incoming rockets that might affect the interception rate. So basically, Hamas knows that they have this Iron Dome, and they know the only way to fucking get through this thing is to shoot as many rockets as you can at it at the same time. And again, you can watch these videos on it. It is insane when the Iron Dome goes off. It's just, it's, I wouldn't say it's a fireworks show because that connotes a good time. It's horrifying, I guess, when you're in it and you're hoping it works. But when you see these rockets just take off and then intercept incoming missiles, you're like, holy shit, this is crazy. And then, of course, we have to finish with, is the U.S. planning on sending troops to Israel? Now, despite what you might might hear, it's way too early in the game for a situation like that. Because Israel, believe it or not, has a shitload of... They have a lot of troops. They're obviously very proud, and they, they train really well. But their CIA is, like, on par with ours. They have, like, their intelligence... I think it's ISI. Their intelligence network is, like, on par with ours in terms of, like, how many spies they have, how infiltrated they are. Like, they're really fucking good. And they do also do have a pretty big military, strong military with pretty high technology because we support a lot of what they do. So I'm going to go with my personal personal opinion is doubt we're going to be sending troops in there anytime soon. But we could flex a little muscle because, again, they control the water. So Sec- Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin ordered the Ford Carrier Strike Group to sail to the eastern Mediterranean to be ready to assist Israel following the surprise attack by Hamas. The U.S. plans to send multiple military ships and aircraft closer to Israel as a show of support. The deployment of these assets is aimed at bolstering Israel's defense and showcasing the U.S.'s continued support in the face of aggression. Apart from military support, the U.S. has allocated significant financial assistance to Israel, which includes $5 billion in missile defense assistance, $520 million for joint U.S.-Israel defense programs, $3.3 billion in security assistance. Additionally, $500 million has been allocated for restocking the Iron Dome, which is crucial for intercepting more incoming projectiles. So, again, it's like, all right, well, little brother just got picked on. Time to get my lineman big-ass brother over here and just be like, all right, well, now we're here. I doubt. I don't know. It doesn't. I don't know. It's one of those things that's like, ah, we we're not going to get involved in Ukraine, but this seems like it's more up our alley kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I don't, because the thing about Hamas is like, they, li- they live in, they live like amongst you, you know, like they, they blend in and they'll be like, someone described it as like, they'll be having coffee and then going to the bathroom real quick, calling an attack on their location and just like, oh, I'll see you later. And then they'll just leave. And then that place gets bombed. Like they're hard to find. So it's not like you can just throw in some troops and be like, Hey, go kill everybody over there. Cause it's not kind of like that. Although Israel can just start going fucking scorched earth over there and just start blowing up everything that they want. So who the fuck knows? It's not going to matter. I'm still going to work tomorrow. And then of course, big bad Iran is going to be in the news. I've already seen TikTok saying this would have never happened under Trump and it's all Obama's fault. They're going back to Obama for this one. John Kerry's fault because that's, we got to blame somebody. 
It's reported that officers from Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard have been working with Hamas since August to plan the October 7th attack, indicating a level of coordination between Iran and Hamas in orchestrating the attack. It was This was also corroborated by a report that mentioned Iranian security officials, Iranian security officials, helping to plan Hamas's surprise attack, giving the green light for the assault at a meeting in Beirut, according to senior members of Hamas and Hezbollah, another Iran-Iran-backed militant group. And then there's videos of people in Iran celebrating that they hit Israel, and because they don't like Israel either. So, none of them, no one likes each other over there, but they all just live on top of each other. So, it's great. Uh, Iran has denied being involved, but saying, like, yeah, we support what they did. We just didn't do it. We weren't involved. So, who the hell knows? And Iran's a black hole in terms of intelligence. We don't know what the fuck's going on over there. They don't let anybody in or out of their country. So, we don't know really if they had support or not. We're assuming they didn't because we think that we have the best intelligence and none of our intelligence says they did but you never really know so as of today that's what's happening is that in summary hamas coordinated planned strategically launched an attack into israel killing a shitload of people targeting civilians um targeting like just apartment buildings they weren't targeting targeting just military assets or anything they were legit just killing as many people as they can People have been kidnapped um, and brought back to Palestine. So I know people are involved getting them back or doing, making sure they're alive at least. Uh, we haven't, there hasn't been any confirmed. I think Secretary of State Blinken, he was on um, MSNBC yesterday morning and he said that there are Americans in the area. They're trying to get them out, trying to get them at least to safety and be like, all right, we're, you're accounted for at least and getting them the fuck home. Because the worst thing you can do is start killing Americans somewhere, and then we got to do something about it. So, um, yeah, kind of a wild situation. It's obviously ongoing, and Israel has declared war on Palestine, and they said it's going to be long, drawn out, and they're going to fucking win. So, we'll see how it goes. we still got Ukraine and Russia going on for Lord knows how long. That's still going on, so... The white women on Facebook are going to be confused on what they sh- what ring they should put around their Facebook profile... Where the thoughts and prayers should go? Should it go to Ukraine? Should it go to the Israelis? Is it Israelites? I feel like Israelites sounds more like a cult. Israelis? You know? Or are you just going to hit them with the blanket, support the troops type of thing? You know? You're going to hit them with one of those. Who knows? But we're in that phase where that shit's going to start happening. Because, you know, people are watching the news today. They were off yesterday. Obviously, because it was Sunday. And they were watching football, so now they're catching up on the news today, and they're going to be like, oh my god, that's so sad. Let me put this Facebook profile picture up, and then that's going to be that. So, who knows? We shall see. This would be a good time if Twitter was old Twitter and would have worked, but hey, what can you do? Um, But yeah, we're going to wrap this one up. We're about 36 minutes in. That's about 30 minutes of me talking about this, which is a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, but you know... We're dealing with it, and we got a work situation that I'm going to share with you guys later in the week, because it I didn't know going into this position of being in charge of the office that it would eat up a lot of my free time, and by eating it up, I mean thinking about it, because you could be anywhere. I could be at home, but if my brain is somewhere else, then my brain is in, in that area. Like I can be aimlessly staring at the TV with it on and worried about what's going on in the office. They don't tell you that's what happens. Like that. 
I guess it's hard to explain that's what happens when you're in charge of people like that. But anyway, we can get into that towards the end of the week. But we're going to let you guys go because it's about 37 minutes in now. We're going to try to chop this baby down to about 30 minutes. And uh, we'll get out of there. But we got also good news, too, is that we have passed a thousand, a thousand viewers on or a thousand followers on TikTok, which means we can go live on TikTok now. So last night I streamed NBA 2K just to get the kinks out on how to stream because Streamlabs and TikTok Studio are two different programs. They got to talk to each other, but they don't. And I'm pretty sure that's why my microphone's a little jacked up today. But um, yeah, that's that. Getting to a thousand followers was a has always been the goal, I guess. But because um, you can't go live, it doesn't put you in certain algorithms when you're under a thousand. So now that you're over a thousand, or I'm over a thousand, we are over a thousand. We're gonna start doing some live TikToks and go from there. So that's good news. We're going to shut this down. Hopefully, everyone had a good Indigenous People's Day, if you had off. One of my followers suggested I play Jewish music and then Native American music. And I was like, that's a, that's a horrible idea. So, glad we avoided that grenade. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys when we see you. Stay thirsty. Stay thirsty.